Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Hi, all. It's good to see you. I'm glad to be back. I was not here, uh, well, these last several weeks, and so it's good to be back with you. Uh, And I'm excited for uh, just to be able to share with you this morning. First of all, before we do that, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Mark Morrison, who is uh, not with us. He preached two of the last three Sundays. He's actually preaching at another place this morning, and so I want to say thank you to him and to Pastor Holly. Uh, We have, I'm so thankful for all the women and men that we have here at Crossview that are able to teach well and help us continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus. So thank you, Pastor Holly. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And we have a number of others who could fill in as well, which are all preaching in other places this morning. So I'm very, very thankful. Before I jump into today, I want to just briefly look ahead real quick to next week. Next Sunday is the first Sunday uh, in a new season of the church called Lent. Maybe you've heard of that before. We're going to start a new series called Shaped by Jesus, where we take a look at the characteristics that Jesus wants to shape in us, and we're going to spend all of the Sundays between uh, next Sunday, starting next Sunday, to, e- to Easter, looking at the characteristics of Jesus and how he wants to shape who we are. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But for today, I want to talk about a subject that's very important as we head into the season of Lent. We're going to talk more about what that is and what that looks like and the kind of traditionally what we are to do in our spiritual walk during that season. But I, it's an important, what we're talking about today is important in that season, but also in, as we head into our annual meeting and uh, important in our individual everyday lives. And as you can see, we're going to talk about prayer today. And so I know, I hope, here's what I hope. I hope that today is both encouraging and maybe practically helpful. I know a lot of us have been on a journey of prayer for a very long time in our Christian walk. So some of what I have to share with you today, you'll know. But I hope that it's encouraging to you as you think about what it is that you know about prayer, as you think about your own prayer life with the Lord. I also want to say that this was written before the events of this last week. So what I'll teach, I'd plan, I'll teach what I planned on teaching, but I'll add a few comments at the end of our time today, specifically directed on how we can pray in the midst of the events of this past week, in the midst of the war that's erupting erupting in Europe. There's no question that we need to be people of powerful prayer right now. So I will uh, mention a few things at the end of our time together. Okay, enough of the preamble, right? Let's get to it, Pastor Kyle. Come on, this is going to take like 40 minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> so prayer is such an important aspect of who we are as individual followers of Jesus and as a church. Uh, it's, it's important as we head into seasons like Lent and Easter, as we head into the rest of this year as a church, prayer is a basic aspect of our relationship with God. So today we're going to learn everything there is about prayer. Just kidding. Prayer is huge, right? It's a massive subject and the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. So what I'd like to do this morning is just to go over some basic things that we need to know about prayer. And I hope, like I said, this can be encouraging and helpful as we move into a season of, more, of deeper and more reflective prayer. So I want to start with a couple observations about prayer that I think you'll relate with. 
uh, and then we'll look at a few things that the Bible teaches us about prayer. The first observation is this, that in some, on some level, we are wired for prayer. Everyone, in some form or fashion, uh, prays. And this is true of all people in all cultures across all time. We are all made in God's image, and that means that we have the ability and desire to connect with our creator in prayer. God wired us, uh, wired into us this desire for prayerful connection with him. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So it says that he has, two things I love about this, it says that he has planted eternity in the human heart, touches on the way that God has wired us. But you also see, we have this eternal curiosity about things that we can see only in part. Right? And so that's why prayer is so important because we don't have all the answers. We don't have the big picture. God does, but he's planted in us here this eternal curiosity about things and a limited perspective. What else can we do but pray? So there's this essential aspect of connection and prayer with God as we seek help from him, the one who has ordered and sees all things. The second observation, and this comes from a lot of conversation with people in my own experience, uh, I think that in general, most of us feel inadequate at prayer. If I were to ask for a, a, a raise of hands, you know, how many of us would say, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I'm an expert in prayer, or I could grow in that particular area. Maybe that's how you feel. When asked, you might say, I don't really know what to say sometimes. I don't really feel very confident sometimes in prayer. And Pastor Kyle, whatever you do, don't make me pray out loud. <laughs> right? Pastors feel that. We're pastors are people too. We feel that same way. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to say, especially when you're praying out loud. The fact is, of all the people that I've met in my life, I've never met anyone who thought that they were outstanding at prayer. Who could say, I have a PhD in prayer. I mean, maybe there's some people that actually have a PhD in the topic of prayer. Uh, but people who might say, I'm not world class at it. Everybody, no matter how long you've known the Lord, no matter how long you have had a life of prayer, can grow in this area. Amen? <laughs> we all can grow in this. In fact, one of the people that we might view as one of the greatest followers of Jesus, Paul, wrote this in Romans chapter 8. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what, to, what God wants us to pray for. There it is. I love that. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Here's the guy who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. And he's saying, we don't even know what we should pray for. We don't even know how to pray I'm so thankful that we have this in scripture because we can relate to that, right? <laughs> that can be encouraging for us. There's not an expectation that we're experts at this, but there is an expectation that we grow in this aspect of our life. So if Paul can say that, then it's okay for me to admit as well that I need to get better in this area. I need to know how to be with God, to talk to God. I need to learn the language of prayer. In fact, even the disciples asked Jesus how to pray in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. 
Isn't that amazing? So here are, the, here are the, the closest relational connections that Jesus has, his disciples. They've watched everything that Jesus did on earth. They saw him do all kinds of miracles, heal people, raise people from the dead, turn water into wine, walk on water, cast out demons, all these incredible kinds of things. And never once did, do we have it recorded that the disciples said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. Or they heard Jesus teach. The greatest teacher in history, the greatest preacher on the planet, messages and stories that Jesus has told have been studied for thousands of years and yet we don't have recorded in scripture the disciples saying, Lord, teach us how to teach. What they said is teach us how to pray. I love that. Why why are they asking this? Because in watching Jesus, they all knew that the power behind everything that Jesus all did, all his miracles, his teaching, his preaching, came through a prayerful connection with God. Now there's there's more to to that passage. There's this ancient Jewish culture where the rabbis identified themselves by a particular type of prayer. And so each rabbi, the disciples of a particular rabbi, might have a different different prayer or a different type of prayer. And so the disciples in one vein here are asking Jesus, teach us your prayer. And what Jesus gives them is the Lord's prayer. But they're asking Jesus, teach us how to pray like you do. We know from scripture that Jesus prayed constantly. The disciples are asking the right question. Jesus, will you teach us to pray like you do? Have you ever asked Jesus that question? Maybe in your prayer, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I need your help. Teach me how to pray like you do. We have lots of examples of Jesus' prayers in scripture. Jesus understood the power and the necessity of prayer. He talked to God in the mornings, in the afternoons, in the evenings, in secret, in front of others, in all kinds of ways. Maybe the question that should be running through your heart and mind right now is, what does my prayer life look like? I think in the coming days, we too can experience the power of prayer as we enter into a time of reflection, asking God to lead us as individuals and as a church to help us return to him from the ways that we've gone off and done other things. That's what the season of Lent is all about, recognizing ourselves compared to God and the sense of returning to him. A lot of it is characterized by deep and reflective, honest prayer. And so just as a way of uh, encouraging us here, I would like to uh, highlight just a couple of things that I think the scripture teaches us about prayer, real some practical things that can help us pray and experience a renewed sense of joy as we pray. Uh, And I'm not saying you feel about it this way, but we do want to move in our prayer life from prayer being a duty to a sense of delight. Or we don't want prayer to be a burden as, as in I have to do it. We want it more to be a sense of blessing. We get to do it, right? I know that we can kind of go back and forth in that tension sometimes in our life. So here's some advice I think that the Bible gives us as it, uh, about, about prayer. The first, you're going to love it is just keep it simple. <laughs> That's pretty simple to remember, right? God loves it when we talk to him. For any, for, uh, for, with, about anything, for any reason. Richard Foster, a famous Quaker author who writes about spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation, calls this kind of prayer 
The, a, a, a conversation of the heart. Isn't that a beautiful way to think about it? A conversation of the heart. heart. He also calls it simple prayer. It's where prayer begins. A relationally based, ongoing conversation with God. God loves for us to talk with him because he loves us, right? And I know this might not be, uh, this not, might not be like an aha moment for all of us, but no matter how many times I talk about this or to who I talk about this with, there's always some of us that have experienced prayer in a much more formal kind of way. And the realization that we can have this ongoing dynamic conversation with God is meaningful and powerful in our life. God created you a certain way with certain interests and he wants you to, he wants to share in your joy as you talk to him about it. He wants to share in your pain, in your, in your wonderings, in your concerns, in the things that excite you and in the things that frighten you. Prayer can be such a joy if we conceive it in the context of a loving relationship with the God who wants to help us become like, more like we were created to be, like him. I often think about this with my kids, and if your parents or grandparents, you know this, right? It doesn't matter to me what age or stage of life that they are in, I just want to talk to them, and I want them to talk with me, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter what about, I just love talking to my children, Look at 1 John 5, uh, 14 through 15. It says this. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's son will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. The reality and not the illusion. And how bold and free we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening. And if you're confident that he's listening, and and if we're confident that he's listening, we know that, we keep, that uh, what we've asked for is as good as ours. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Couple of things. Twice in the verse it says that we can be sure that he's listening or that we're confident that he's listening. Isn't that great? God is listening to you. Incredible. You have the ear of the creator of all things. God always hears you no matter how you pray or when you pray or how loud you say it. God listens and hears you. And because of that, it says that we can be confident in approaching him with our requests. There's no formula you must get right before God will actually hear you. Because prayer at its best is a transforming conversation. Not always just a formal religious ceremony. What does that look like in your life? Prayer is a dynamic, ongoing conversation uh, that ends up actually changing us and usually not the other way around. This is kind of a cool realization when you think about prayer that way. Uh, Part of the nature of prayer is not that we manipulate God into getting him to do what we want, but that in prayer we are shaped and formed by God's word and God's spirit. It's an incredible thing. So, As an example, maybe you begin by praying to win the lottery and you end by realizing I need to trust you, God, in all things, no matter what, right? (laughs) That's the kind of thing that prayer can do. It shapes and forms us. So let's do it as much as we can, with as much joy as we can. God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I don't even know. I just, I'm coming to you. Help me. 
And God begins to shift and change us and transform us. That's what, we go, that's the, that's what we're going for in following Jesus. You talk and you listen, you share your heart, for, uh, and you, you hear God's heart. Prayer is more of a relationship than a ritual. It's not a duty, it's a privilege. I get to talk and be in relationship with the creator and sustainer of all things, and he wants to hear me. What an amazing truth that is. So in terms of, of keeping it simple, just know that God listens to your prayers uh, and, and hears you. You don't need to use flowery language. You don't need to use fancy phrases. You don't have to sound like a walking commentary. <laughs> you don't have to use religious cliches. <laughs> you just talk to God. And the only condition is that you come with a sincere heart. Make it authentic and real and gutsy and honest. One great place to see this in the scripture is, we've said this many times before, is in the Psalms, right? One third of the Psalms are what are called Psalms of lament. Essentially prayers of weeping and wailing, of suffering, of calling out to God. Real people who are hurting uh, and, and afraid saying real things to God in a not so religiously eloquent way. <laughs> it's actually quite beautiful, even if it's hard to read. We also see this, in the, uh, this truth in the New Testament as well. Matthew 6, uh, ch- in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. In Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, he says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and then in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. This is all the reward they will ever get. But when you, go, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father uh, in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do, thinking their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words over and over again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Don't try to show off. Don't think there's some magic formula that will move the heart of God. Simply pray sincerely and in the context of an intimate relationship with a loving God. Hebrews 10, chapter 22 says, Let's go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. I wish we could do a whole, we could do a whole message on that passage alone, a whole series on that passage. What it means when people in this original context are reading that you can go right into the presence of God. It didn't used to be like that. It had to be mitigated and mediated by priests and all these temple rituals no longer. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, right? You and I, because of the blood of Jesus, can walk into his presence. That's like put the mind-blowing emoji up, right? (laughs) Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I can walk into the very presence of God. No mediation needed. No ritual required. Wow. Wow. So, keep it simple and be sincere. Now, there are a lot of other things that the Bible teaches us about prayer, but the last thing I'll say about that today is that the Bible teaches us this, that God shows us his grace by answering prayer, or even in the way that he answers prayer. God, this can be a tricky subject, right? When we think about God in prayer and him answering prayer. God is a good God. He's a good, good father. We sing a song about that, right? (laughs) He's compassionate and loving and he really does want the best for us and his church. And God loves to answer prayer because he gets to show off what he's like and what can happen in the lives of his daughters and sons when he does so. 
God loves it when you pray. God loves it when you ask. In fact, over 20 times in the New Testament, we're commanded to do exactly that. Ask God. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. You have not because you ask not. All of these things that we find in scripture. Pretty amazing. But there are a few things that we should note about all of this. And the first that God shows his grace to us uh, regardless of the answer that we get. And second, just because we, uh, we don't get what we ask for, I'm sorry, just because we ask for something doesn't mean that we're going to get what we ask for, <laughs> right? This is maybe a harder thing to kind of work through in our spiritual life. We know this from experience. But even when the answer is no or maybe not yet, or maybe something different, God is gracious and good and we have to trust the Lord. Timothy Tennant, uh, author and president of Asbury Theological Seminary, wrote this, sometimes God delivers us in dramatic and immediate ways. Other times, God's work unfolds slowly over time and only in looking back can we fully capture the slow and good work, the answer to prayer of God in our lives. Has that ever been true in your life? Do you know any parent that gives their child exactly what the child asks for? every time. My, my kids would like live on donuts and cookies if that was the case, right? <laughs> Likewise, there are many reasons why God doesn't always say yes to everything that we ask for. We may not understand, but like uh, scripture said before, we cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. This is hard, rubber meets the road kind of faith kind of stuff. God, I, I don't know, here's what I want. <laughs> I'm going to ask you for it. And then I'm going to trust you because I don't know what the outcome of of you giving me what I'm wanting would be, right? Sometimes God says no for our protection. Sometimes he says no for our direction. Sometimes he says no for our correction. Sometimes he says no for our perfection, right? Our growth and holiness. Sometimes God might say no for our inspection that he's looking deep inside of us. We're beginning to see what we didn't see before, Maybe something that we might be missing. That's the whole point of the season we're heading into in Lent. God is much more interested in your growth, your character, than he is in your comfort sometimes. That's hard for us to hear because we love our comfort. (laughs) He has the big picture in mind and he can see it all. The truth is that God shows us his grace and goodness whether the answer is yes, no, not yet, or when we need to grow in our perspective. Jeremiah 33, uh, 1 through 3 says this. This is God's message. The God who made earth, made it livable and lasting, known everywhere as God, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you marvelous and wonderful things that you never, uh, that you could never figure out on your own. I'm so glad that that's what the Lord does for us. Amen? (laughs) Sometimes God's answer is a bigger perspective. Sometimes God says, I know what you need. Let me lead you in the way that you should go. My answer will be that I will show you things that you could never figure out on your own and you will learn to trust me when things seem overwhelming, impossible, or when you are afraid. Maybe at times, at least I've thought this so many times in my life, God, thank you for not giving me what I asked for. (laughs) Matthew 7 uh, verse 11 says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? 
I hopefully this is being reframed in our mind. This is not necessarily just about God giving you what you ask for. God wants you to learn to talk to him. He wants you to learn the language of prayer. He wants you to learn to lean into his voice and he wants you to grow. So keep your prayers simple and authentic. Know that God shows his grace to us as he answers our prayer, not always giving us what we want, uh, but what we need, helping us trust him more and more. He can see it all. So this is just like a drop in the bucket of the conversation on prayer, right? But again, I hope, I hope it's been a little bit inspiring and a little bit encouraging and will leave you asking questions about your own prayer life. What, what's my regular sense of prayer? What does that practice look like? How am I approaching the Lord and what kind of things am I praying for? I would like to call us as a church uh, to prayer, to a season of prayer for the rest of 2022. It might seem like a lot, <laughs> But I will just tell you, we have all come through a very difficult couple of years, right? And obviously, things are not necessarily getting a lot easier. I think that we need to focus some significant time as individuals and as a church in prayer. So I want to call us to a season of prayer for the rest of 2022, beginning with the season of Lent starting next week. Uh, and if 2022 is like the rest of these years, it'll fly by. Like tomorrow will be 2023, right? <laughs> I'd like for us to pray for God's direction, God's power in our lives and in our meetings, and God's perspective. Just think what God can do with a committed group of people who were praying in these directions. Designate some time each day to pray for, for the church, for yourself, for your walk with the Lord, for those around you. Can we do that? <laughs> Let's do that. And I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do. Now, just before, this is where I had originally intended to end our time together. And I would like to just make another couple of comments real quickly about the power of prayer in the context of what's happening in our world. Uh, a, we had a devotion that came through this morning from J.D. Walt, who is the executive director of a website called Seedbed. We love Seedbed around here. It is, a, it is a, 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 essentially a publishing site for really great Wesleyan-oriented uh, resources. There's lots of Bible studies and small group resources and all kinds of things on there. And they send out this weekly email. In fact, one of our small groups uses this weekly email as a basis for some of the conversation. Um, and so what I'd like to do is just read some of this for you. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just took out snippets because it's a really powerful way to think about prayer uh, in the context of what's happening in Ukraine and in our world. So it says this, We believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the dwelling place of the Almighty God on planet Earth. Therefore, we all believe to be true. Uh, therefore, all we believe to be true about the living God, we believe to be true about his people. If the holy love, power, and presence of God is dwelling within God's chosen people, God's royal priesthood, God's holy nation, God's special possession, it means at least two things. First, it means that we have been granted extraordinary authority. Second, it means that we possess enormous responsibility. Think of it as response-ability, <laughs> right? We have the authority and responsibility to respond in a way that no other organization or institution on planet Earth possesses. We must pray. <laughs>
period. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Maybe many of you have had just a sense of heaviness this last week about what's happening in the world. He goes on to write, and I'm not talking about prayer as the, quote, when all else fails, do this, uh, that we often see in things like social media posts, although that's not necessarily bad. Uh, I'm talking about the prayer, about prayer as a battle strategy. He begins to use kind of this similar type of war language. This is a call to prayer, uh, sorry, this call to prayer is not a call to, quote, say prayers and then move on. Prayer is, a call, uh, prayer is the call to a deep awareness of the presence of God, a surrendered attention to the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ, a keen attunement to the voice of the Spirit, and a bonded attachment to one another across the body of Christ. To call The call to prayer is the urgent admonition to lay aside the religious customs of casual prayer and enter into a zone of the kingdom of heaven, abiding together in the the presence and the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, for the sake of the world. The body of Christ is is a global fellowship bonded together by the Holy Spirit. Remember that we are the living stones being built together into a spiritual house. Our connection is not, an insti- is not institutional in nature, but supernatural. We are quite literally part of each other. Connected like a hand is to an arm. This has enormous implications for the church across the world and in Ukraine and in Russia. He quotes 1 Corinthians 12, 26 by saying, if one part suffer, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Our focus needs to be in prayer on Jesus, the head of the body, the Lord of the church, resurrected and ascended, living and active, speaking and listening, guiding and directing. He leads the the intercession of the church. We must lift our hearts to Jesus, set our minds on Jesus, fix our, our eyes on Jesus, offer our bodies to Jesus. He is the commander of the angel armies and of the church. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of prayer who is praying without ceasing and in groans too deeps for words. As we invite the Spirit to fill us uh, with his own prayers, we begin to get a sense of the agony in the earth and our hearts will begin attuned, being attuned to the Holy Spirit's praying. Church, the time for casual prayer has passed. The age of prayer as a last resort is over. We are waking up to the sobering presence of Jesus Christ as our great high priest and we are beginning to sense the desperation of the Holy Spirit who travails for the deliverance of the whole earth. From from the rogue and already defeated power of sin and death. Amen? Church, we need to pray. This last week also, uh, our denomination, we have some, uh, they, they sent a sense or a, a few things, uh, directives, directions, sorry, of ways that we can pray uh, for uh, what's happening around the world. First is to pray for our national leaders, Misha and Lena. And I'm not, uh, I don't know how to pronounce their last name uh, and their children. To pray for them and the work that's happening in the Ukraine Protection for those that we serve. We have work uh, where we're serving men with alcohol and drug addictions and the elderly. 
near the city of Ravine. We run a rehab center for addicts, a halfway home for recovering addicts, and a home for the elderly. We should pray for this. For soldiers and their families, many will suffer significant trauma, both physical and mental. We have a mission in Ukraine that also serves soldiers with PTSD and their families. And to pray for an end to war. We believe that God is all-powerful and we ask that he can bring and will bring peace in our world. Pretty significant ways to pray, right? (laughs) So that's how I'd like to end our time together. (laughs) A little bit heavy in the sense of that there are significant things that we need to pray for in this world. Ways that we need to ask God to intervene. Worship team, would you come on back up? But I also want us to leave with the sense that we're not helpless in what's happening, but that the, the Bible actually teaches us quite a bit about prayer. So I, I'm hoping we can leave in this, the, the tension that we've talked about, being encouraged to pray that God listens and hears us to keep our prayers simple and to know that he's gracious in his response no matter what that is. And yet we have significant things to pray for and to pray boldly and powerfully in the power of the spirit that dwells within us. Amen? Would you stand and I'm gonna pray and then we are gonna sing this last song together. Heavenly Father, uh, I just wanna bring to you our hearts and minds right now. We've talked about a lot. I pray, God, that we're encouraged in this sense of prayer that you have invited us to. And I pray also, God, that we have a sense of the power that fills us as we pray through your Holy Spirit, guided by your scriptures. And so help us lean into that. God, we pray. We pray for what's happening in the world, in Ukraine and in Russia. It is heartbreaking to see what's happening. And the crazy part is we don't read about it days later in a newspaper. We literally watch it happen unfolding before our eyes. And so with heavy hearts, we ask for your protection. We ask God for your provision. We ask for an end to war and an end to the violence. In your name we pray. God, we ask for those who are working hard to help Uh, refugees and and people hurt and, and in need all around the country of Ukraine. We just pray for them as well. God, there are lots of other things that are happening in our lives, in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our families. There's so much that needs to be prayed for and so we don't want to neglect that as well. We just come with open hands to you, Jesus. Ask that you would move powerfully. We ask for your direction. God, we ask for your perspective. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. And in your name we pray, amen.